So welcome everybody and thank you for joining us this evening. Um, we're excited for our guest uh, and we think that um, we're going to have a fantastic conversation about Vermont uh, cannabis, about uh, cultivation, um, about what some local businesses are up to. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, have some fantastic discourse uh, and uh, a really nice question and answer se uh, session uh, after uh, our conversation. Um, so uh, throughout the evening, if you guys have any questions for us that you would like to ask uh, that you don't want to ask yourself, uh, please feel free to use the chat feature. Um, that is located uh, depending upon your interface, either at the bottom or to the side uh, of your Zoom app. And that will allow you to, um, we've got uh, a VGA staff uh, with us uh, as we typically do to help moderate uh, the discussion. Um, and that is Bobby, our uh, events director. Um, and uh, we typically open up uh, the floor to people. Uh, so we will give you the mic if you guys are comfortable speaking uh, when we reach the question answer. But again, um, if you don't wanna speak and that's fine, feel free to shoot us a question. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll ask it for you. So, all right. Um, <clears throat> man, it is already March eleventh. Where has the time gone? So uh, this evening, uh, we are absolutely thrilled uh, to be joined with uh, one of uh, one of the talented growers in in Vermont in our sort of tightly knit uh, cannabis community. Uh, I think he's a familiar uh, name, certainly his Instagram page, uh, and his uh, and his fantastic hemp company. Uh, re really great reputation. Uh, the grower for other growers um, has a has a uh, simply enigmatic uh, partner, uh, Jesse Lynn, and together they run uh, Nurse Grown Organics. And of course, uh, th with us this evening is uh, Matt Leonetti. Uh, so thank you, Matt, for joining us this evening. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And, and, uh, you know, thank you. Thanks to VGA for, for putting this all together. And, and a lot of the, the work that you guys do for, for all of us in this community are keeping us abreast of everything. So a shout out and a thank you to you guys. Um, I'm Matt Leonetti. Uh, I do own and have co-founded and run Nurse Grown Organics with Jesse Lynn. Uh, my cannabis career started just to kind of take it back and, and give some of you a little perspective that don't know me. Uh, I started cultivating cannabis, uh, living in my parents' house in high school, believe it or not, in some goofy little concocted boxes. Uh, this morphed uh, a little bit heavier and a little wider scale when I moved out of the house uh, and started cultivating bag seed under CFLs and all kinds of other weird lights in, in closets. Uh, and uh, that first cultivation right there, the gentleman that I grew with, uh, Kyle, Kyle Nori, I believe he is the largest edible maker in all of California right now. Uh, so he's taken off and done wonderful things and we started out together. So it was a kind of a blessing there. Um, from Ohio, I moved to Arizona. I went to school out there and during my tenure in college, I became the largest pot bust in the history of the state of Arizona at that time. Uh, I am lucky to have walked away from that. I do have 22 years clean now from IV drug use. Uh, so it was kind of a blessing in disguise getting busted. Uh, the culmination of all of my requirements to the state took me out to uh, decide it was time to go back to school. So I moved up to uh, Burlington, got a place in Winooski and decided it was time to go back to uh, school. So I, I dove into plant science, soil science. Uh, much to the dismay of my folks, considering what we just went through a couple years back, but uh, have forged forward. Um, so I do have a background uh, in science and uh, a degree in that, uh, which has been super useful. Uh, I've run a landscape business for a very long time. I've kind of given that up at this point. And four years ago, uh, some life changes hit and we decided it was time to, to jump on the hemp train and uh, kind of grow things on scale outside. Uh, I think like many, we had no clue what the hell we were doing, no focus, no direction really. And uh, you know, it, it's, I don't think we ever really wanted to get into to products per se, but as the industry kind of started to morph, Nurse Grown was born out of the premise that 
we weren't finding a lot of clean and tested CBD products out there. So we felt that what was on the market wasn't really fair to consumers. So Nurse Grown was born out of trying to create a more transparent, more lab tested uh, whole plant product. Um, and that is where we are today and kind of gotten to the point where we've defined our product lines. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun cultivating cannabis on scale outside and, um, you know, we like sharing what we do. We give a lot away. A lot of what we cultivate in terms of THC and CBD, we do give away to patients and uh, opioids users, uh, medical patients here, and people that just need it and reach out to us. So I love sharing what we do and we try to give back. So if anyone's ever in need and you're out or uh, you just can't afford it, please reach out. I'd be more than happy to give you something. Uh, no one should be without cannabis. And Matt, if I could jump in and I want to interrupt, how can people reach you? Uh, at least Nurse, Nurse Grown Organics website or Instagram, how do you guys, what's preferred? Uh, you know, both are, are both accessible. Um, Nurse Grown underscore organics is the IG handle. Uh, you can find my personal page, which is Vermont Organic Cannabis. Um, or you can go right to nursegrown.com. Make it pretty easy. Uh, three ways to find us, phone numbers, emails, everything are there. So Feel free to hit those three places, uh, and we will get back to you pretty quickly. And Nurse Corn Organics, is uh, that strictly outdoor? Because we do know, I think, right, uh, the Agency of Agriculture has an indoor license. We, some of our uh, friends, I think, across the state have that. Um, what do you guys uh, mostly uh, cultivate here? We're outdoor only. I, I like sun grown uh, and I don't think we could grow inside. I, I just don't think we have the place to do it uh, inside. And I wonder what the cost honestly would be. So, you know, when I get free sun and water and then those kind of things, uh, you know, I, I like turf profiles from sun grown more so than anything. So we are we are outdoor growers, at least for the CBD stuff. Yes. Uh, you had mentioned plant and soil science so maybe just to walk through some of uh, your background well i think there's a decent overlap between between both of them honestly i think you know soil science could fall within plant science i mean it, it's a matter of you know plants grow in soil but plant science is basically you know the study of plants their growth their reproduction adaptation evolution as as we as humans use them for food fiber and ornamental crops uh soil science basically is I think simply the study of dealing with soils. So it, it's extremely broad. Um, and within it, it, it's extremely compartmentalized down to, uh, you know, nutrient cycling, uh, all kinds of the, the soil food web. Um, so it's a pretty broad thing that you can kind of dive into some pretty deep subjects. And I will say that was probably the most difficult two years of college I ever had was my soil science classes. They were... They tested me on on levels of, of which I don't entirely use now, but it was a really eye-opening experience to understand a lot of it more on a scientific basis and put some of the practices that I was using uh, either on the shelf if they weren't valid or to kind of work some other things in to kind of hone the skills and kind of get the plants to, you know, full genetic potential. Um, so I think they're both rather broad that you can kind of break down, but, you know, basically the study of plants is as plants and you know the study of soils as soils and everything that kind of both of those encompass and you said you went to uvm for that locally i did yeah yeah now you're growing I, pres I presume you're growing cannabis at the time or around that time did that help did that in terms of your decision making process for your what you're pursuing um were you thinking cannabis was it just you know a passion of yours anyway um because you know not everyone who goes into plant or soil science is a cannabis grower right very true yes um no i've always cultivated cannabis um it's always been a been a part of my life um i think the only time there were some sabbaticals when i was on probation in arizona other than that there's always plants around me um <laughs> i uh so did it yeah you know it, it it complicated things having all that science in there. Um, you know, I, I, one thing I tell new growers is, is simple, keep it simple. Uh, but all the science kind of muddied the waters a little bit, but you know, the fun of growing cannabis is playing around with things and variables and, and finding out what works and what fails and what doesn't and kind of defining your system. So it put a lot of new tools in my toolbox on, on what to look at and what not to look at and what to pay attention to. And so I, I think it was a great thing. And during my tenure at UVM, I was, uh, 
I was employed by the Intervale Foundation. And so we ran uh, for nine months a month of greenhouse grow trials. And ultimately, the culmination of that nine months worth of work was an hour and a half presentation by me, a 45-page paper, and the Intervale Foundation got a brand new potting soil out of the whole mix. So that was when they launched their first organic compost-based potting soil. Um, and it gave me a really good look at a lot of the other local compost-based products up here uh, because they were part of the trials that we were running things against. And, and to this day, you know, Moodoo products failed all of the trials. And Vermont Compost, he was the one, you know, chasing Carl Hammer. His mixes are phenomenal. So um, that was an interesting experience as well, working with compost and learning everything about mesophilic, thermophilic, you name it, compost. I lived it for nine months. So uh, I took some very valuable experiences out of UVM for sure. Shout out to uh, Vermont Compost Company, dropping a local celebrity there, Mr. Hammer. Mr. Hammer, yes, fantastic soils guy. Great products, great products. Uh, I think some of our, uh, maybe some of our listeners are familiar with those products. Well, yes. Um, so, interesting. So, wow. So, walk us through, if you don't mind, hemp and UVM. What, what is that relationship? I know that things have changed. Uh, I myself was, you know, was there in the early 2000s, just for a couple of years. Uh, I was really at, um, Burlington College and, and wanted to just dabble in some of the classes at UVM. However, you know, I feel like the ag department was different. They had more of a working farm and a greenhouse. Was there hemp growing there? Were they experimenting with any of that? I know they're like a research facility as well. No, they, there was no experimentation with hemp during my tenure. And I'm, I'm assuming I was pretty much there the same time you were there. I was there in 2000 and out uh, the spring semester of 03. Yep. Um, I did work on their, you know, their student farm. I worked on that for three years and managed that after I graduated. The university had me back to help run it and keep the kids going. Um, the only thing that I saw in terms of any growing out there was probably some of their research trials. And I, I was really kind of opposed to some of the, the GMO tree trials and other things they were doing. But there was no hemp cultivation at the time um, that I was aware of. I may be wrong. I thought they were... Uh... Uh, performing trials uh, or maybe even doing some studies or testing uh, with, um, with, with hemp cultivation. Uh, <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, and I, I ran the greenhouses for several years as well. And I was in there literally three times a day watering all the different research houses, this and that. I do. If I would have seen cannabis in those greenhouses, I would have been a pig in shit, but I do not remember seeing those. So if it happened, it may have happened somewhere else. So it, it's not that it didn't. I just didn't see it. Right. Or, or even, you know, after the fact, right? You know, right. Uh, it's, you know, we're, we're now dating ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, staying on this for a brief moment, it, are there any plans similar to cannabis? What, what's unique about cannabis as, as with, with your knowledge of, of understanding of other plants, different species and whatnot? Um, what stands out? Is it, is it all the same? Are, are there unique qualities there? Oh, I think there's, you know, I think when we look at the, the plant world, they they do bring a lot of interesting qualities to it, especially in the fact that, you know, we have an internal endocannabinoid system. So I think we have a very deep relationship connected to this plant more so than we think. And that was nothing that I knew of, you know, when I started using. So I think how that plant relates to us is on a very internal deep level and i think that's a lot of the connections that we we may have unbeknownst to us um or knowingly at the time or conscious of it um i i think that's the big thing you know for me it resonated cannabis use because i'm super high strung and adhd and it was the one thing that would kind of bring me down a little bit it was my medicine to kind of slow me down so i could focus and get things done um, and that was kind of my personal relationship and touch to it along with kind of trying to maintain my sobriety um which was pretty easy but i think it's the endocannabinoid system you know it's i think it's the smells you know terpenes kind of you know we walk into a room and they hit us i, I think there's so many interesting qualities about this plant and to each of us it's a little different so uh, for me it's the smell it's it's the the stem rub it's it's the architecture it's the the serrated leaves there's you know those little things the morphology really gets me so um and i think we're all different i think you know probably the biggest thing that draws people is probably those terpenes you know for a growing plant it's those smells that really in in 
evoke certain emotions, feelings, and things. So, um, yeah. She's a powerful player. She really is. <laughs> More so than we think we know. <laughs> so did you always grow in soil? Um, did you pick up anything? Did anything drastically change when you left UVM? Did you, were you always maybe, you know, uh, living soil sort of, um, you know, uh, soil food web before UVM? Was that afterwards? Uh, is regenerative farming uh, something that you practice? Speak to this a little bit. I, my cannabis cultivation has been, uh, I've never grown with synthetics. That is one thing I've never done. So when I first started growing, it was the same thing. We didn't have a lot of the nutrients amendments and things like that back then. So finding bat guano, you know, one company had it. Um, I practiced a lot of those same inputs back then mixing soils in the house with the peat and the compost and the castings and some dry amendments uh uvm definitely changed that it put some tools in the toolbox and as the industry you know especially now now that we have legalization i mean look at the expanse of of materials we have amendments microbes i mean there was not a lot of that back then finding endo and ectomycorrhizal fungi in the 90s it almost didn't exist. Um, so we have so many new tools with the push forward of, of cannabis cultivation that it has added components to it, but I, I still haven't deviated from how I cultivate cannabis. It's always been organic. It's always been with nutrients. It's always been with worms and things. So no, I, I really haven't deviated very far from my original roots. And it's always been that I care about clean cannabis because if this is something I'm going to ingest, I mean, you just spoke about how powerful she is. She can pull so many things out of this soil. So let's not put a lot of weird things in there because this is something I want to use and, and I want to take care of my body as well. So I haven't changed. It just made me think a little bit harder about some of those components and, and even some of the components that are, are listed as organic. You know, they still have the little side shoot on the bottles that say, you know, check this website for heavy metals. Well, if I use this product for four months, have I bioaccumulated some of that in this plant? I mean, those are the things that I now look at. I'm, I'm very, you know, I really dive into all these little bits and pieces of like, I don't know if I really need that in my plants. So uh, UVM has just made me a little more hyper-focused of the inputs and the practices to really get those hammered home. And I really hope, you know, the industry moves forward with the whole regenerative agriculture because uh, there's a lot to be spoken about that. I mean, we've got a lot of issues that I think, uh, you know, we can set the standard for. And I think, you know, outdoor cannabis cultivation, paying attention to, you know, no-till to cover crops. You know, we got to think about, you know, the climate currently. So we got to think about carbon sequestration. There's there's a lot of components. So I think regenerative absolutely has uh, a role and it should be in the front seat for, for all of us looking forward to really make this a uh, clean industry and clean cannabis products. I think clean cannabis, what does that mean? Can you unpack that a little bit? So you had mentioned Correct me if I'm wrong. Are you uh, the uh, one of the one of the East Coast certifiers for Clean Green? I am. I I am. It, and you know, it, it kind of looks like a conflict. I'll say that. Um, but you know, we're we're certified through Clean Green, the farm itself. Um, I also do certify farms here on the East Coast. So Clean Green it will has an added layer of testing and transparency above the national organic program. So it's just a layer above of some other ways to extrapolate where uh, carrier oils come from. You know, you look at the carbon footprint of can I get olive oil from one country or is it coming from six or seven? Uh, there's a carbon footprint. So we want to make sure in cultivating, you know, a clean green product that we have looked at all of those impacts and we try to remute those to the point that we can get to the most sustainable net zero carbon footprint that we possibly can um, as a farm. Clean cannabis, you know, I, I think we could all probably have our, our views on that. I will say, you know, if you go to the Nurse Grown website, there's a great blog that we wrote about clean cannabis. And it's, you know, obviously it's our perspective, but 
Um, I think a layer of clean cannabis for sure is testing because uh, this goes back to the potential that this plant can bioremediate things. So no one can see heavy metals. Uh, you can't see mycotoxins. Uh, so if we're talking clean cannabis, I think we have to think about the inputs that go into this, uh, the process. Uh, you know, there's post-harvest handling, uh, how we do that. Um, so it's basically looking at it from start to finish and examining every element that has gone into this to make sure that we are using the best products, uh, products that are not going to impact the, the final product or a person in a negative way. Uh, testing is, is one component of that that certainly shows us uh, things we can't see. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, of testing and transparency. Um, you know, I, I like indoor. I think indoor is phenomenal for, for a cleaner cannabis, but uh, I think you really can't beat the terp profiles and, and sun-grown cannabis. We still haven't been able to replicate uh, the sun's rays on an indoor scale yet. Uh, what, why, why, why is that? And not the replication of the, sun, of the rays, but the, you know, the, the, the differentiation in, in maybe flavor or I want to say outcome or, or product or end result. Um, do things grow differently? I, I was reading recently some of the differences between sort of conventional salt grow uh, inputs versus maybe, you know, fermented or handcrafted or locally sourced inputs. Uh, and the, the development within the plant itself can be different. Is that what you're getting at with, with sun grown, you think? And maybe the differences in terpene profile? Is there something there? I do think there there is some variables at play with the the sun and such. I think it's the whole outdoor experience of the sun, the rain, uh, the air. Um, I think you know a lot of it is, and I think this was a discussion that you know Jesse Wynn and I had with Dr. Ethan Russo at the medical conference a couple of years ago. Uh, the impact of living soils and what that brings to the plant, and how that probably plays a pretty decent role in the final expression of those terpenes and the full genetic potential. So I know we had chatted with him about, you know, trying to run some studies and, and look into that. It never materialized, unfortunately, but um, I, I think there's a lot to be said about those soil microbe interactions and how those play to the final plant product as well. So I think it's a whole host of, of variables uh, that play into that. Um, because I know I've grown a lot of things outside and a lot of the same plants inside, and I do not get the same expression inside and outside, even though, uh, you know, I've tried to use everything the same, but inside they're in pots and bags and outside they're in ground. So, uh, you know, sun, living soil, the microbes, uh, you know, we do things a little differently outside than in. I think it's a whole host of things that really brings that profile out outside. Um, with regards to some of the d differences between uh, indoor and outdoor, and I want to ask you this because you seem to obviously have some extensive experience with you and your partner, um, do genetics come into that uh, at all as a factor? So, for instance, are there things that just genetically are either bred for out outdoor or specific hardiness that simply don't perform inside or, or vice versa? Have you found that at all, either with hemp or, or high THC? Um. I do think genetics absolutely play into it. Um, it's certainly a, a piece of the puzzle. Um, again, I think there's a, an enormous amount of variables that, that come into all of this as well. So, um, yeah, I, I really don't know. I, I really wish there were some more studies done. And this is the one thing I love about legalization is if we move forward, there are a lot of these things happening so we can kind of really understand these working relationships a little bit more and what drives these plants in certain directions or doesn't drive them in certain directions. Um, you know, it's, it's just a few of ours that seem to have, you know, different profiles on the inside. I think all in all, they're, they're pretty close. Um, but just some of those, you know, a blueberry that starts to turn to gas and in, inside when outside she's about as bakery as you can get, you know, little nuances like that. And again, I use a few different things inside than I use outside. So are those the variables that change that expression? Um, I don't have a finite answer to that, unfortunately. I think that you're right, though. Uh, you know, obviously, um, lots of attributions here, whether it's the, the the medium, the growing environment, the biodiversity that's around it, never mind whether it's inside or outside, because 
you could nowadays, right? There's there's lots of recreations of nature going well beyond soil inside. You'll see large beds now of in adult use states, right? Of uh, indoor regenerative and that sort of thing, Re reusing of water even and things like that, aquaponics. Oh yeah, absolutely. And now you're even getting into some of the lights, you know, like Agnetics. I think those are phenomenal lights and I will have those in my facility for sure. But you know, they're taking the hot, the heat from those lights and that's hot water. Now you can turn around and run it through the slab. You can run the heating in the building. So we're kind of closing the loop on these things, but, but you're right. We are seeing a lot more of this living soil explosion where we are beds. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a Swiss farm, Edelweiss farm in, in Switzerland that's, I think they're on their 27th living cycle and it looks like, you know, 35 or 50 gallon bags. So, uh, you know, what they've recreated there in terms of nature and the, fra the framework that nature has given us, they put it into place and it just absolutely hit the ball out of the park. So I think we're all kind of starting to, to look backwards to the natural world for the answers to try to get this plant to its full genetic potential because, you know this as well in the 90s you know it was the big hydroponic boom everyone was salt based and you know it, there were very few and far between compost based growers or organic growers uh comparatively and we've seen a massive shift to the whole living soil which i think is phenomenal um and i like to see cannabis heading that direction to a clean natural framework uh may i ask are you familiar with like dragonfly earth medicine and there's i think there's a handful of other certifiers out there i think that you know, there, there's, I think there's space for, um, you know, I think um, different parties trying to achieve the same goal, especially since there's no national standard. Now. Or how do you feel about some of these other certifiers? Is it, uh, is it, um, is it a good direction to move in or is it just a, a niche for the, for the industry? I think it's a great direction and I have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, Dragonfly, Dem Pure. I think they're phenomenal folks. I think they have an amazing farm. They live an amazing life. Uh, they are beyond knowledgeable. Um, I definitely look up to a lot of what they have to say and share for sure. Uh, I think there's a lot of room for a lot of different certifiers. You know, they're, they're all looking at different components. I mean, a lot of the same components, but some might be taken a little bit further, a little bit less. Uh, some may require more testing. I think there's room for all of us. And I, I think all it's going to do is to help elevate the whole industry together. So the only one I don't like, and, and they're in the hemp space and not in the THP, is, is the National Organic Program. Um, I, I've got some some issues and reservations with, with that institution. Uh, but, you know, Sun and Earth certified, Kind certified, Dem Pure, Clean Green. Uh, I'm not sure how Mafka is doing it because they're federally accredited, but they're offering a program. So I think all this does is just kind of push a lot of people to, you know, move that direction because I think that's what the market's looking for. Everyone wants to have an organic living soil product. So it's wonderful to see more certifiers and, and push and test people in that direction. So I, I am all for having as many certification programs, as long as they have some teeth to them. Um, empty programs really don't help much, but most of them out there, I think, are, are very well toothed and have, have depth to them. So, but those Dem Pure people, man, those guys are great. Uh, well, I, I want to, before I maybe uh, get into the next uh, subject matter, uh, I do want to pause and say that um, coming up on, uh, almost coming up on 8 at 740, uh, so if anyone has any questions, we will be opening up the floor uh, if you guys raise your hand or just communicate with us through the chat. Uh, so if you, uh, you know, uh, think of something that came up uh, through, through conversation or if you came prepared with some questions, feel free to uh, just uh, chat them to us using the chat feature uh, in Zoom uh, if you don't want to be called on uh, and we will ask the question for you. Uh, but we are coming up on uh, a question answer session. So I just wanted to uh, pause to uh, let you guys know uh, that we will be opening up the floor soon. Uh, Matt, I did want to ask you about genetics. Um, you know, looking at your page, you know, people at VJ are just blown away by what we see. You know, um, where, where, where does that come from? What is that selection process for you? Uh, you mentioned efficacy. So it sounds like, you know, you're seeking clearly medicinal value. I think as a lot of us are therapeutic value, whatever it is. Um, flavor as well. What, what do you tend to lean towards? What do you, what do you maybe playing with now in terms of your own sort of uh, genetic uh, direction or interests? 
Um, when it comes to cannabis, um, any any brand names, anything special? Do you breed? Uh, what's up with that? Ah, uh, no, that's a that's a big one. Genetics, right there. Um, I think you know we like to have a, a mix of things. You know, there there's people that like your more complex sativa profiles and i think those have kind of come back into my garden a little bit the longer running ones you know your 10 12 weeks that seem to have those those greater profiles uh that i've kind of sidelined a little bit unfortunately that was my own undoing as i kind of got hyper focused in the shorter ones uh the more indica dominant ones because for me i prefer a heavier effect um yield is probably one of my least variables that i go for i like structure I like how a plant is branched, how it's leafed, uh, if it's going to cause problems, if it's not based on pest and disease. Um, flavor is is absolutely probably one of the big ones. I I like everything, you know, from gas to rotten meat. To, you know, I do like my fruits. Um, so yeah, I think it takes a couple times growing each cultivar till we really get her dialed in because I, I'm sure we've all found that one soil generally does not fit for every cultivar. I have many that do not like my heavier mix because it's too much in. Um, so it's really kind of playing around and kind of figuring out what works for a lot of the people that, that come to us. Um, the sativas, the indicas, it's a lot of sleep. Uh, it's a lot of pain. Um, I am not loyal to any breeder, honestly. I think there are so many out there putting out so many phenomenal things and I wanna try every gosh darn dang one of them if I could. Um, so I, I tend to be a little selective. Uh, you know, I have a couple of, you know, in-house, I've got a couple of their little hype things in there. Um, Swipe Kidian, uh, Muerta, uh, Ethos, uh, a little bit of, of everything. I try things and if I don't like something or if I end up having to fight a plant a little bit, uh, generally I'll write her off. Um, I'll probably give her a second chance, but I really like a lot of things. You know, I, I it's structure and final appearance are, uh, are pretty big, but I think, you know, genetics have gotten to the point these days that you look at Instagram and pretty much everyone's photos look phenomenal. I mean, these plants have been bred to have frost that's frost and frost on top of frost. Uh, so bag appeal is, is through the roof compared to what we were looking at and smoking in the eighties and nineties big time. Um, but does that always translate? Does that translate to these other attributes? No, I, and I, that's the one thing I look at Instagram is, is that, wow, there are an enormous amount of beautiful plants, but does that have the impact that we're looking for when we actually put it to the smoke test? Um, and I found even in some of my own selections, no, they, they didn't cut it. So they're not with me anymore. Um, so the smoke test is really the, the big one to define. Has this hit all of the metrics for me? Um, as I think it does for most of us, because we go for those effects, we go for that taste. And, and ultimately in the end, you know, bag appeal is there too, but we wanted to do when we buy them based on what we think they're going to to do. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the smoke test. Taste and taste and effects are are paramount to anything for me. I found it interesting that you said that uh, it takes sometimes, maybe not always, but uh, roughly two, maybe three grows of the same, I'll say, phenotype genotype to to really see its expression, maybe. Is, is that, uh, I, I feel like I can relate to that. Is that, is that more than just, you know, grow technique or finding that comfort zone? Like, what is that? What is that, uh, oh, second time, third time kind of thing. And then you get sometimes even a totally different plant, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it comes down, I keep track of what I do. So I have my field notes of every plant as to what it was fed, what it was top dressed with, what goes into that soil. Wow. Um, and so if something seems off or, you know, the one big thing I found now is that in some of my pots, there's way too many worms, way too many worms to the point that the plant's not going through its fade properly and the trichome production is not what it's supposed to be, not even close. So I took that strain and ran her again, no worms. 
and she was phenomenal. The frost was four times what was there before. So it's these teeny little variables that I try to tweak to try to get that final expression of what I'm really after. Um, so yeah, I do think it does take a few times to, to really hammer it home and get it where you want to. Um, the fun of trial and error. That's why I keep the notes I do. Absolutely. That's the great thing about plants too. You know, you, you fuck up, you get rid of them or you, you know, you just keep on going, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's got that sort of bounce back. So listen, we do have a question that came in. Um, and by the way, anybody, uh, please feel free to raise your hand or send us a chat. Uh, if you do have a question, uh, and if you do raise your hand, we will, uh, we'll allow you to speak. Uh, we'll give you the floor for a little bit. Um, we do have a question that someone chatted to us. Uh, Matt, feel free to take a look at it yourself. It is in the Q and A uh, icon. Uh, Q and A. Uh, I will read it uh, for everyone though. Um, so it sounds like uh, the question is um, with regards to uh, uh, open top secure grow, indoor contained but allowed to grow with direct sun. Uh, so mixed light maybe, or just indoor contained but with direct sun, so full sun. Do we see the same terpene quality and does the direct ground, direct soil add that unexplained special magic that just can't reproduce uh, in containers? How about outside containers? So the question is, is there, you know, do you see, can you speak to, have you maybe noticed personally uh, a difference in our performance and results from maybe direct ground versus container gardening outside? Great question. Uh, that is a good question. Um, I don't know if I've ever extrapolated, uh, you know, everything I've done outside, I think has come in pretty uniform. Um, I really think, uh, you know, larger bags probably could mimic some of what a native soil has. Uh, I think especially if you're going to, you know, head off and start collecting, you know, native microbial populations and throwing them in there. So I think it's some of the endemic uh, soil food web in those soils that plays a role in it. And if we're using a bag culture of a lot of, you know, mixed and brought in elements, I don't know if it would fully have that. But, you know, again, you look at a lot of those greenhouses out in California that have the sliding tops, you know, and then bam, all of a sudden they're getting full sun and living beds. Um, you know, not having experienced this entirely on my own, I don't know if I can really answer that question, but I would say it's it's a phenomenal question. And I think those folks that have, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it's time to, to, to run a little trial of something of that sort this year. So I, I think that's uh, what I just jotted down is I got to I got to frame something and see and, and give that a whirl, because I, I really do wonder, you know, what are the variables that really swing those profiles? And, uh, you know, because terpenes are a huge component of cannabis um, far above and beyond just THC and whatnot. I think the terpenes play a lot into it. So understanding how we can maximize that expression. Um, should be known, but I think the sun is is a part of it. That's just my own my own thought. I don't know if that answered shit, but um. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, it, it sounded like there was more than uh, more than one answer in there, maybe several. So, uh, by the way, we record these guys, so we do have uh, a cultivation corner section on our website. You'll see great information about Matt and uh, what him and his partner and uh, and the companies are up to. Uh, nurse grown and also linked to their uh, website and uh, their Instagram as well. So uh, please check that out. And it, uh, we typically have uh, the podcast up on the website about a week or two after uh, the recording. And it's also on, uh, we're on Apple as well. So you guys can subscribe on Apple podcasts and check this out. Um, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to raise your hand uh, and we'll call on you. Um, you had mentioned soil food web. Um, what is that? Is that something you can do inside? Is that outside? Is that Mother Nature? What is soil food web? That sounds like uh, like a, just like a hippie phrase, or is there something to that? What is that? Um, I think the, I think the phrase was coined by Elaine Ingram, Dr. Elaine Ingram, um, and I think it just basically speaks to the whole interconnectedness of all living components of a soil. So we're talking about uh, the protozoa. We're talking about actinomyces. 
viruses fall into this, uh, the bacteria, the fungi. It's all of those interactions and how they're breaking components down and releasing energy into this living system. You've got your decomposers, uh, you've got your symbiotics. Um, so it's a whole interconnectedness of, of everything that's working within the soil matrix, basically. Um, and together, you know, they, they form these wonderful associations with the plant. So now we've connected the upground component to this as, as well. So it's really everything that's going on in the soil. And again, you know, my two years of, of studying soils just about killed me. It was it, it's such an amazingly deep subject. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty much just the interconnectedness and the release and, and decomposition of energy in the soil through a, a few of those critters. Um, and everything that lives in there. Can that be recreated inside? Or is that just an outside uh, event? I don't think we'll ever fully recreate it the way nature has, uh, but I think we have brought the vast majority of that inside. So I would say more often than not, yes, we have recreated that inside by, you know, the layering. It's kind of like the leaves falling and those get decomposed and broken down into humus. We've got all these cover crops and people are using straw and compost. So I, I think we are absolutely trying to recreate the framework that nature has given us to create and pull out the full potential of these plants. Yeah, and I think there's some people doing some amazing things inside. So I would say yes. Yes, that's been recreated. So we've got uh, another question. We've got an IPM question. So any specific outdoor protocol, uh, IPM protocol? Uh, and I'd say, you know, throughout the year, uh, outdoor. Um, great question. Um, either living, uh, matrix, whatever you use. Any recommendations for people specific to Vermont? <laughs> Uh, I think the biggest thing when we look at integrated pest management is if we have healthy plants, we generally end up having less problems. So ultimately, I think it's nurturing and creating the best healthy plant we possibly can. Now, with that said, being outside, you're always going to have pest critters and things everywhere. So IPM is an integrated approach to looking at and using the least invasive approaches first and always the end of this <clears throat> the last resort is spraying um, so one i think keeping the plants extremely healthy and well fed not overfed with nitrogen because uh, that plays into carbon burning and everything else uh, it also allows pests uh, they like that that nitrogen that's kind of what draws them especially the aphids that we've seen pop up in the last several years uh, healthy plants keep them pruned um, you know, defoliate them a little bit. Um, having some biodiversity where you're growing, you know, throwing some flowers, throwing some companion plants, um, you know, and look at your plants, flip over leaves. Uh, you know, if this is your medicine, take some time to, to flip them over and look at them, uh, see what's going on because there's always interactions. And even if you have a few bugs that are probably not supposed to be there, it doesn't mean pull out the spray and hit them. It, you could simply take a hose, you could crush them with some fingers. Uh, so in, in talking IPM, I think we find the least invasive way to remove critters that are detrimental. And, you know, they're really not detrimental until we hit, you know, huge infestation levels. But um, healthy plants, keep an eye on them, hose them down from time to time, uh, don't overfeed them, defoliate them. Um, and I think a big thing is, uh, you know, we constantly release beneficials outside as well. Uh, lace wings, uh, ladybugs. Ladybugs will generally fly off. Uh, they like to fuck more than they do anything else. And once they're done doing that, it's their larvae that, that I think are the, you know, voracious eaters of things. So uh, there's a lot of pieces to it. But, you know, generally keep your plants healthy, defoliate them, keep them well watered, well fed, uh, balanced. Uh, Throw some predators out there. Uh, eyes on the prize. Keep keep your eyes on the plants. So a lot of it, a lot, a lot of it is preventative. A lot of it is um, doing things before issues or problems arise. Even. Yep. Yep. I mean, uh, Bavaria bassiana is a great example. That's something that you could give your plants as a systemic. It's a it's a muscardine fungus. Uh, that, you know, it takes a good month to, you know, of applications to get fully throughout the plant, but any sap supping insect decides to come to the plant, you know, 
taps in and, and next thing you know, they've turned into this white fungus and they're done. And it's a complete, you know, uh, biological to use. So, uh, you know, little things like that. I, I do use it myself. I use it indoor and outdoor. Um, so lots of little tricks along those lines. <clears throat> now, would that be considered um, uh, a fungal? Is that a microbe? How, how would you package that up for someone? Can someone buy that on the market if they wanted to? No, I'm not saying endorse a product, but let, let's bring that back to maybe someone who's listening who maybe wants to, you know, get some more information about either microbes or growing with, uh, you know, more of a, a living soil food web, or uh, as you suggested, indoors. Yeah, I think Bavaria bassiana, I mean, you could look it up as as that and find a lot of them. I think Botanigard is is one. They've got a wettable powder. Um, I found it to be a, a phenomenal thing because it, it kind of allows me to not uh, have to entirely worry too much. Um, and it's really just the bad ones that kind of do those things. Um, but it's basically a systemic fungus. It, it's a, a mycobiological, basically. Um, completely harmless to us. Um, you know, there's other things like, uh, you know, knotweed, uh, Rhinotria saccharinensis. Uh, I just butchered that. Um, giant knotweed can is another one uh, that can be used um, to inhibit uh, insects as well. Or we use uh, certain plant compounds that will. Uh, Oh, I'm thinking of chitin. There's another one. Uh, applications of chitin, which are, you know, the shells of crustaceans and whatnot. Um, it allow the plant to put up its natural defenses and think it's fighting something. So there's there's a lot of these little things that can be used that I think will, you know, all in all as, as tools in our toolbox uh, will minimize issues. Can you go overboard with that? Can you, no, I don't know if that's a cultural thing as well. Uh, I know, you know, I've been growing for a while. I, I, I've certainly found myself, you know, a while ago. Wow. I, I've got quite a collection of additives and amendments. Can you, can you buy yourself, you know, you know, your way towards success or, or what is that? Do you make most of your inputs? What would you suggest for someone who maybe is, wants to move towards more of a, a cleaner soil based, either making their own soil? It could, it could sometimes be intimidating. Uh, what, what are the, what are the, some, how, how can you make it accessible? What are some early, early steps someone could take there? Is it all something you buy? Is it something you make? Is it a combination of the both? Some advice in that, in that department. Um, it, for, for me, it's a mix of both. Um, you know, in the summer, fermented plant juices, um, fermented plant extracts uh, in the summer using endemic plants around here, I think is a phenomenal thing. Uh, I could elaborate on that. I've always told people, you know, they reach out to me that are kind of shifting or starting or, or I guess in, in almost any capacity of growing to simply keep it simple, keep it simple, learn the rhythm of the plant and, and don't add 16 new things all at once. Because if you have a problem, you don't know which one of those may have caused it or how some of these things may chelate together or interact in uh, you know harmful way potentially. So, so keep it simple. Um, you know, in this day and age, the amount of information that we have at our fingertips um, is both good and bad. You kind of have to sift to find the good things, but there's an enormous amount of information. There's an enormous amount of soil recipes out there. Um, you know, and, and the best part is, you know, cannabis is a personal experience. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to screw up. Um, you can remedy a lot of things with the plants pretty easy. Uh, but keep it simple, play with variables, add things, you know, talk to people, see what works, see what doesn't work for them. Um, and if your systems are similar, give something a try. Um, uh, really, you know, keep it simple. I, I have a lot of stuff in my house, but I've, I've kind of worked away from bottles. Um, I use a lot of dry amendments and top dresses and things. Uh, I like down to earth a lot. I think those are, are wonderful things. Uh, compost, earthworms castings, uh, activated compost teas I make. Um, keep it simple, but but have fun and, and play and, and see what other people are doing and what you might want to try. And, you know, everyone has a different system. If you're in salts and want to move out, there might be a bit of a learning curve. Um, but again, don't be afraid to, to screw up. I, I've been doing this a long time and I still trip over my own feet. I still make mistakes, but I'm still here. I'm going to push forward and that's kind of the, the fun of it. Um, 
So yeah, keep it simple. It almost sounds, it. It almost sounds like there's a mind thing in a way. Um, you know, being receptive to new ideas as things come along, that sort of thing. Uh, I know as you know, some of us get more refined in our system. I know I, you know, I kind of probably have drawn some of my boundaries and some of my protocols more in pen when they used to be in pencil because I found some things that really do work and I I don't know if I'm willing to fully change some of those so I think for me some of my variables are pretty well set but there's a lot of things that I'm still toying with and playing with and and you know sometimes they work out sometimes you know I get a lockout or something but um simplicity uh you know less is more gotcha Gotcha. If you have uh, an issue, don't don't try to add another product to it, so to speak. Uh, maybe pull back sometimes. Yeah, and asking for advice in Facebook groups sometimes is not the best because you're going to get it. It's, it's CalMag. <laughs> you need this. Like <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> Epsom salts for everything. Cal Pretty Mag. much. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> that's funny. Um, awesome. Um, let's see here. So, I'm curious, um, just maybe pivoting to something real specific. Um, we're in Vermont, we're a tight-knit community. Are there any unique genetics or anything that you've come across over the years that you found unique to Vermont? Um, you know, I, I've been here for a handful of years, I've definitely seen some things, whether it's, I'm sure we've all sort of heard of the Jerry Berries or some other sort of name, you know, that's come across your lap or, or you're mm. at something. Um, is there anything unique to this region, uh, either that you have yourself or that you, you know, that you're familiar with, um, by any chance? You know, unfortunately, that's where I'm. I'm probably going to be a, a blank slate. Um, I have not really dove into many Vermont genetics. Um, I've certainly seen things that have kind of come through that have, you know, some, some history here for sure. Um, my starting point was, at least out in Arizona, was through Amsterdam, the Damp Ring, uh, when they won the cup, I believe Jen was my connection there. Um, and so I really haven't dove into a lot of Vermont genetics, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm empty on that one. I will say that. That's probably where I could strengthen myself a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say, when you, when you think of Vermont, do any, do any, do any, you know, does anything come to mind? Um, you know, I, I think of, for instance, I'm familiar with, uh, I'm sure we've heard of maybe like an Adirondack gold. Yep. Not quite totally sure what that is. Do you happen to know what that is? Ooh, I don't, but I know a lot of people that I think have it, uh, and I could certainly find out. Um, I, I do know there are probably some very good, fast finishings. I don't know the history of Friesland entirely, but I know she's up here, and I saw her right. recently last year, and that was that one absolutely caught my eye and my attention, and wow, what a soaring high on that. Um, I haven't dived into Vermont genetics as probably as much as I should have. Um, so I think it might be time after we get off here for me to scope out a few people <laughs> um, and, and round out my repertoire a little bit. Uh, looks like we've got uh, maybe someone. Let's see here. Did someone raise their hand? Thank you, Bob. All right. Uh, okay, Danny, uh, we, will, uh, we will let you talk uh, if we have questions. Uh, we are coming up. We're past eight guys. We'll go for about maybe 10 more minutes. Just uh, in case anyone has a question. Uh, let's see here. Danny, are you there? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. I just got... Uh, Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, really great talk, Matt. Thanks so much. Um, Thanks for joining us. Yeah. I, um, I want to uh, ask you questions uh, regarding the medicinal uh, side of it. Uh, I got my uh, certificate from uh, the UVM course, Cannabis Science and Medicine Professional Certificate in, in that. And uh, I'm really interested in helping people out who have uh, you know, various uh, uh, disorders, um, especially psychological, I think. You know, that's what I did my final report on was um, actually microdosing. And there are very, very um, 
you know, the, the, the different cultivars um, that are involved in uh, bringing about different um, uh, particular um, effects, you know, such, you know, the energy, the focus, the relaxation, and so forth, uh, sleep, uh, th this is, this is something that pe people want. How can, how can I learn uh, about that? You know, um, I mean, it's, without growing it, um, it's, it's hard to, to, to really, uh, you know, check it out. I'm not a grower. And, and uh, I, I wonder how I can find out more about the, the medicinal uh, uh, aspects of it. Do you have any input on that? I would think, uh, you know, one, I think the differences between the cultivars for the effects, I think some of that largely comes down to the terpenes. Yeah. I think, I think they play an enormous role in, in that. Um, I also think there's a, oh, I think it's called holistic caring. Uh, I believe they have a phenomenal website that dives into this a little bit more on the science-based side of things. So I don't know if I could fully speak to it because the first thing that's going to jump out to me, like I said, is the terpenes. Um, but I would check out Holistic Caring and see if they have been involved or have access to studies that may dive a little deeper and kind of find out some of those differentiations. Um, but I think when we we think about it, it's, it's the whole plan. It's, it's pretty much everything that kind of drives, you know, flavonoids, Terps, uh, they, they all play into this. Um, what about yeah. what about in terms of uh, the derivatives, let's say oils uh, or tinctures uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, smoking? Um, do you find that that changes the um, qualities of, of, of what the terpenes, what the effects do? Well, I think when you take anything and you and you process it, you're you're changing some chemical components there, and I think the effects are certainly going to to change for sure. Um, you know, you're concentrating things in terms of you know terpenes and and cannabinoids and and everything. So so yes, there there would be some enhanced effects uh, from some of those products for sure. Um, and again, it's, you know, what resonates best with, with you in terms of, of terpenes, what resonates best with you in terms of the effects you like in your endocannabinoid system, because we are all very different chemical beings. Um, and what works for me, you know, for sleep, uh, I've recommended it to some friends and it did not work for them. They were zinging along and uh, wide awake. So, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of trial and error to find out what truly works best with you. Um, you know, cannabis is a super personal experience, so it's, it's, it's a little bit of trial and error. Find that right thing. Awesome. Um, or, you know, call your local cannabis nurse. I'm sure they have, uh, you know, they're involved in a, a thing on, on those and with all the studies and, and everything. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a little bit of experimentation to find out what really works. And, you know, extraction methods play, you know, into that as well. Um, what's preserved, what's not, what bonds are broken, what's not. Um, yeah. Wow, great. Thanks a lot, Matt. Very welcome. Thanks so much, Danny. Really appreciate it. Um, great question uh, and great follow-up as well. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, please uh, go ahead, send those questions in and raise your hand if you've got uh, anything that you want to ask. Uh, Matt, where do you see where would you like to see Vermont in about uh, five, ten years? Um, just looking ahead for a moment as we sort of wrap up. Uh, honestly, I would like to see us as kind of the East Coast capital of uh, clean, transparent, some of the best medicine that we have on this side of the country. Uh, I'd like to see a, a program put in place. Uh, and hopefully S54 and that kind of gets reworked to the point that we highlight our craft growers more, that we have clean products, unlike our medical program. Um, we have an enormous amount of growers here that I think are are through the roof. Um, I consider myself an amateur with a passion, but I would like to see Vermont a 
destination on the roadmap of, of cannabis for this country where people are going to come. And, you know, we, we think of Vermont, we think of green mountains and, and the lake and, and forested hiking trails and fresh air. And I want them to think about, you know, we've got some amazing cannabis growers here. And I think uh, getting them the opportunity to showcase what they do and put us on the map. Um, I would really like to see us to be a destination for, for cannabis. I, I think there are enough people in this state that grow some really wonderful cannabis that we could do that. Uh, I hope we have some regulation that supports those people that want to do that too and keeps the corporate side of things out of here because there are enough of us small craft guys that I think we can we can handle it here in our own state. So I like to see us as a destination, as a top shelf premium cannabis product for this country. <clears throat> Hard to disagree with that one. Woo! Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, yo, we got we got a we got a hand up. All right, Tanner. Uh we are gonna let you speak. All right, we're gonna give you the floor and we got a question from a Tanner. All right, you should uh be able to speak. Thanks for joining us. Hi. So I was just uh wondering as a new inspiring amateur living soils grower, um, what do you suggest to practice um to kind of ramp up from a smaller scale as I aspire to grow um, as a, like on a bigger scale? You know, that's a great question. And I, I think about that too. And I, I have my, my worries uh, sometimes going from small to, to large. Uh, I, I think if you're able to define a system for yourself of, of what you're doing to cultivate those, uh, give yourself some trials. Um, play with some things. Um, you know, if you're looking to do beds, uh, you know, raised beds, obviously we can't grow, you know, 300 feet of, of beds yet. Uh, but I would say build a bed, uh, you know, stick your two plants in there, four plants, whatever, um, and give it a whirl. You know, this is, I think, a chance now before we have adult use hit uh, next year is to trial some things, trial some different techniques uh, and play with it a little bit. Maybe you find some things you thought might work aren't going to work. Um, have an understanding of your long term vision of where you see yourself in that picture and how you want to cultivate. And, and have some fun playing with it. Um, you know, for me, I'm hunting different cultivars. I wanna figure out what works, what doesn't. I wanna have a nice menu. Um, so I'm playing with that as I feel I've got some of the production stuff down, but trial and error, have some fun, play. You're more than welcome to reach out to me anytime. I'd be more than happy to throw ideas and help steer in any direction I can because I only wanna see people do well in this, um, but have fun with it. Play around a little bit. Try a couple different things. Try try a couple different soil mixes, bags versus you know raised beds. Um, play around a little bit. Now's our time to kind of to do that uh, before the uh, you know doors open next year. Thank you. Yes, yes. And, and Tanner, if you don't mind, if you don't mind a follow up, you said you're living soil yourself. Did you uh, start off with a bag? Did you start off with a recipe or make your own recipe? Just out of curiosity, if you don't mind. Um, actually, I've been using uh, nature's living soil, but I do um, want to start thinking about using more local products um, just to kind of cut down just that um, to be more green, I guess. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Nice. Dope question. I appreciate it. Um, and anybody else? Uh, we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, feel free to raise your hand if you've got a last minute question. Uh, that's interesting. I wonder if there's uh, a relationship between sort of like uh, the how local your sort of microbes and biodome are with your IPM management. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, so, so all of those sort of local vectors that may exist, that do exist, you know, and sort of trying to uh, adopt or adapt your own grow environment as much as possible to whatever's living locally versus trying to get something off the shelf. You know what I mean? So to speak. Oh, I couldn't agree more with you. You know, go outside, pick dandelions right in your fields, ferment those, uh, you know, dig up some soil. If you got some living beds, dig up some endemic soil right around your house, throw it in there. Uh, 
Yeah, everything we really need is kind of in in front of us more so. It it just requires a little more work uh, to use those local ones. But um, I think at least for outdoor, it makes a really good sense to incorporate a a lot of what is in the natural framework into some of those things. Um, Keep it local. Uh, You know, I everything that we have done with nurse grown uh i have tried to keep well we have tried to keep every single dollar we have spent uh on this business within the state boundaries um and at times it has not been not been easy for sure um but i have tried my damnedest to make sure that i have supported everyone in this state that I possibly can from the sawmill up in St. Albans cutting local cedar uh, to Vermont compost to our processors. Uh, I grow and live here in Vermont and I want my money to stay here in Vermont and support this industry across the board if I can. That's awesome. That's contagious. That's great. Yep. So let's support our local microbes and and other things as well. (laughs) (laughs) Feed them. They'll feed us. They're more (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, listen, we we do have, uh, just so everyone who's tuned in, we do have uh, a a guest lined up for next month. We will be making an announcement shortly. We hope to be doing this monthly. Uh, There's, as, as Matt has said, and we're aware of this as well, Vermont has lots of agriculture talent. A lot of that has crossover into cannabis. Um, we want to not necessarily shine, shine a spotlight on people because we're still sensitive about how we're sort of uh, halfway between things. But uh, that's why we're doing audio, audio only with this podcast. So we want to we want to we want to share advice. We want to start sort of creating that experience where uh, we're having conversation able to ask questions in a, in a good sort of comfortable environment. So Matt, thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for doing this. You guys are the ones that have been putting this on and, and helping this community and keeping us abreast of legislation and everything else. So the, the shout out and the thank you really goes to you guys for this and, and helping us get out there and, and share our knowledge. So big thank you to you and uh, you know, everyone that's out there listening. Thank you guys for, for tuning into this as well. Um, we, you know, all ships rise together.